0: Welcome back to a new episode of the Off the Dome podcast in Season 2. This is Episode 2. The playoffs are around the corner, and I, and I like every other NBA fan, am very excited. I'm here with um, a very special guest. He's, the, he's uh, um, part of the SB Nation and head of Silver Screen and Roll, Lakers inside reporter, Harrison Fagan. Harrison, it's, good to, it's glad to have you back on the podcast.
1: When we went live. Top five Lakers beat reporter on Twitter. <laughs> oh yeah, Clutch Points graphic. So uh, that that is how I demand to be introduced okay. on all podcasts uh, uh, moving forward. Like Clutch Points once said, this guy was in the same category as Dave McMenamin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna I, I'll I'll start over. So welcome back. This is to, one of the top <laughs> five Clutch Point Lakers reporters up there with Dave and Yovan and you know and Mike Trudell coming off the bench. So.
1: Yeah, no, Mike Troutell's gunning for six man of the year. That's oh, uh, that's, he's, that's he's what a, he's doing. He he's agreed a, to let me start over him. as, like the honorary, you know, like uh, like Luke Walton starter or something like that, like <laughs> on like one of these title contenders.
0: Exactly, exactly. So l- let's talk about now the actual team of the Lakers. Uh, going the last time we spoke, we were like reminiscing about how we won the title. Now we, we're we're debating on if the playing game is the right move. Or say that we get to the 6 and if the Clippers stay the 3, we play the, the LA Clippers in the first round. In your honest opinion, what's the team thinking right now about the play-in or going to the 6 to potentially play the LA Clippers? From what you know, what's the morale of the team in that regard?
1: So the team really wants to avoid the play-in like I think and I mean understandably so because it's one thing you know we can get into both of our opinions about this and what we think would be better in a second but I mean to think about it from their perspective you know like if you get into that play-in you're one injury away from technically not even making the playoffs you know if you lose two games you know like they aren't going to drop far enough where it's one game and out but they are you know in a position where it's kind of precarious like do you want to take that chance if Steph gets really hot and And then all of a sudden, you like have an ankle sprain in the second game or something like that, and you end up losing to the Grizzlies. Like, do they want to take those chances? Probably not. Uh, And there's just a lot more variance, as we see in March Madness every year, in these tiny sample sizes of just like one or two matchups or whatever. Just anything can happen in one game. We've seen that throughout the regular season this year, and some of the teams that the Lakers lost to when they were at full strength, or some of the teams that they've beaten when they've been, you know, like beating the Nets when they were missing basically everybody. You know, like anything can happen in one game. And so, they very much have continuously maintained they don't. They want to avoid it. You know, they originally their mindset and, you know, Markeith Morris most famously talked about this. That he's like, oh, plan, like that's not going to involve us. Well, it might involve them now. And I, in my personal opinion, I do feel like it could end up being a blessing in disguise because I believe that they will take care of business in like in this. And the thing that we got into on our podcast earlier this week was it, it's not really about, you know, giving them extra time to gel or whatever. Like, that's not, you know, the benefit. I think the benefit is, as you kind of alluded to in your question... You know, would you rather play the Nuggets or Clippers, or would you rather play the Jazz or Suns? Like, I know for me, I know what my answer is if I'm the Lakers, and, you know, that's why I think that, especially, we just saw them beat the Suns without LeBron, and, like, the Suns had no answers for AD, and so if the Suns stay stay in the two, the Lakers win that first play-in game, all of a sudden they're looking to have a little bit of an easier path to advance than they'd have if they were, say, playing the Clippers in the first round.
0: I I agree with what you said. I that's what I was going to talk about with you next. I think it's actually a good thing. I tell people this all the time. I think this is actually a great thing. Like, would you want to throw a winded LeBron and a banged up Lakers team to play probably the hottest one of the hot one of the best teams in basketball in the LA Clippers? Or would you rather, you know, play in what I joke about, um, is a glorified scrimmage game (laughs) against the Warriors. Say you lose that, big deal, you beat the Grizzlies, and you have an easier path. I think it's a blessing disguise. Now, I was doing a little pie chart today about the best case scenarios for the Lakers. I said said, uh, what the scenarios are going to be. I said 65%, they make the play-in, that's a blessing disguise. 30%, I said, they would get the sixth seed and play the Clippers in the first round. But a better option, you said, would you rather play the Clippers or Nuggets? I wouldn't mind playing the Nuggets in the first round without Jamal Murray.
1: I'm with you, but I, I would thing is is it's not really you're you're not this is all coming so down to the wire that it's either you're playing the Suns or the Jazz or you're playing the Clippers or uh like or the Nuggets because it's like a 50-50 shot of if you end up in like outside of the play-in if you get one of those teams because they're still coming down to the wire in terms of their seating the Lakers may not know you know which team is going to be in which spot until then and so do you want to take a chance of getting out of two teams that I think you match up with to take a chance with like one team that don't match up very well with, and maybe match up matches up with you as well as any team in the league in the Clippers.
0: I, I, I can understand that, totally. Uh, my next question for you is, this team has been hit, like, first of all, they, everyone before the season said, the odds makers said, Lakers, Lakers, Lakers is the top team to win the title, ourselves included, both picked that to happen. Yeah. They start off 21-6, and six, number one defense in the league, right up there with Utah with best record in the league. And then Anthony Davis goes out. Then the week after, Dennis Schroeder out with COVID protocol. Then Marcus Saul's out. Then they start picking it up after the All-Star break. And then LeBron goes out. Solomon Hill, who I will never forgive to this day. And and then after that, um they're struggling right now. They they're not they haven't fallen off the cliff. They're still could potentially make the playoffs and not the play in but throughout what this team has been through this season with covid and the injuries and all that how is the what's the morale of the team right now with what they've gone you know, through all year
1: you know i, I think uh, i mean we can only say so much right because right. there's only so much we know we only get to see these guys for 5 minutes a day on zoom <laughs> like you can there's only so much you can like i mean to be honest like for the most part people on the outside probably have you know close to as good of an understanding of the team's actual mood as we do on a at a lot of times especially during this pandemic year where it's like you don't get to see people you don't get to have conversations like off to the side you know when they're not on the record or not you know like you're not you don't get to be in the locker room like you just you don't get as good of a sense but i mean to be honest we don't always know these guys anyway and i only preface with all that to say that based on what they've said Publicly, I think they're all right. Like, I don't think that they're, you know, dreading the play-in game. I don't think that they're terrified of, you know, ending up in that spot. But I also, you know, I don't think that they're thrilled about where they are right now. I don't think that, like, you know, I'm sure that you saw Frank Vogel talk about LeBron's injury the other day. And, you know, it was kind of the most... uh it's like the most reserved he's been while talking about it and even acknowledging the possibility that LeBron may not play a regular season game, you know, the rest of the way before the play-in and may not, and you know, he didn't say that he may not return for that, but he just kept saying like, you know, we're going to be smart with this and we're going to let it recover all the way. And, you know, it's just, I think that they're, I think they're cautiously optimistic. They continually maintain, you know, if we get everyone out on the floor, we know how good we can be. And I think that as competitors, they have to believe that, but it is starting to feel like a lot of things are stacking up on top of each other now.
0: So, in your, uh, in my view, I think of of LeBron. He is the most durable athlete there's ever been, not just in the NBA but in any sports. I mean, throughout his career, like if you look at it, the most amount of games he missed in a season before the Lakers was ten games at most. I think. Yeah. He's the most. He's Iron Man. Everyone, everyone thinks he's Iron Man. He's tough. Uh, but two out of the last three years um, with with the Lakers, first was the groin injury, and now it's the high ankle sprain, and the Lakers aren't gonna, are are being cautious about this. From what you've gathered from Frank, I know you're on the outside looking in, and I don't know if you were at the practices or not. But a cornerstone we, uh,
1: we don't get to go in the building oh, at all this year. Okay.
0: Yeah, all that's that's brutal. But from what you've gathered from Frank and from other people you know. How does Lebron? I know he looks good in practice, but how does he look like physically with his ankle? And in your honest opinion, do you expect him to play tomorrow against the Pacers or Sunday against the Pelicans?
1: I do expect him to play one of these games. I don't think that they would have forced in a practice on Friday, you know, before hitting the road to Indiana. And also, like you can tell that they really wanted to have a practice because Frank said the other day, like, "Hey, we may not practice if the NBA schedules that game against the Pacers for the morning because there's only so much you could do for a night practice." And then all of a sudden, it's like 10 a.m. practice. They have it, you know, they have on Friday before they fly out to uh, Indiana. So I think like they really. Uh, wanted clearly wanted to make sure that they had a practice in here and that they got it in 24 hours before the game could really give LeBron's you know ankle some time to respond, see how it was feeling afterwards, see how AD was feeling after the work he was able to get in, get Dennis you know a little bit of work in on the side, but now that he's cleared health and safety protocols, so that's I that's a big they,
0: boost. That's a big my boost. Sense
1: is, Yeah, my sense is that they would not have had a practice if they didn't feel like there was at least a good chance that doing so would allow them to get those guys back out on the floor because it's like, you know, how much do the other guys really need practice at this point? You know, like they've they've all played together. They're all kind of gelled with each other. The only reason you'd call a practice is if you're trying to integrate new guys back in, you're trying to get those guys some work because the other guys are, you know, they're banged up. Like they've been playing, you know, they need rest and whatever. And so I think that they really wanted to make sure that they got in a practice here. And that makes me think that LeBron will be back for one of these games. I would imagine against the Pacers he will play, but again, we don't know, you know, as far as how he looks, you know, it's hard to say with any certainty, but you know, he certainly seems to be pretty optimistic publicly about how he's been looking behind closed doors. All of the players have talked about how impressive he's looked during these drills or whatever that they're doing. And then, you know, but Frank has kind of been like, well, you know, it's one thing to be impressive in one-on-oh. It's different to go out there during the game. And he's been a little bit more reserved about it. And so that's the only thing that makes me think, okay, you know, like maybe they're just kind of pumping up their guy and trying to say the right things and whatever. You know, it's hard to say. But like LeBron, it's it's just a weird situation when LeBron's camp is clearly leaking two days in a row. Like, hey, he's coming back this game. He looks good. He's ready to go. These practices have been going great. And then it's like, oh, okay, he sat out. And then you know, now, oh, open next game, he's coming back. He's he's looking great. He's working out. He's working out hard. He. He feels great, and then it, and then he tweets. He's like, oh, yeah, actually, no, I'm not, not going to return tonight. So it, it is – it's a weird thing that, you know, how kind of nebulous it's been and how up and down it appears to be. And, you know, just for – it's kind of hard to get a handle on where he's at. But I do imagine that he will play in one of these games because at that point, like, you know, are you really going to bring him back for a play-in if he didn't play in the yeah. final regular season games? That seems a little – like, if it was too – dangerous to bring him back for the final two regular season games is it really safe to bring him back for a potentially do or die play and get i don't i don't know i'm not a doctor but to me that would seem a little off but i guess we'll see
0: i I, yeah he he's not playing it back to back and in my opinion there's no i don't i don't
1: think he will play a back-to-back that that seems unlikely based on how they handled zero i
0: i give it a zero percent chance that he plays in a (laughs) back-to-back um now as far now switching gears let's talk about the big addition uh which um, our favorite analyst Skip Bayless calls the uh, the big penguin, uh, Andre yeah. Drummond. I think he's been okay to start. I think he, it takes a while to fit into a new system. His free throw shooting has been a lot better than I thought. His, re, his defense needs to he's not great with the pick and roll defense but he's been better defensively of late and he seems to get a fit offensively and what he had a really nice game with the Knicks the other night how do you from what you've seen in, in general how do you feel like the fit has been Andre Drummond has been with the Lakers right now and do you expect him with LeBron and Anthony Davis back for the play in the playoffs like what do you expect out of him during the stretch
1: Yeah, so it's interesting, you you know, I I kind of agree with a lot of what you're saying about, like, how, you know, the returns have been up and down so far. I think that there was this narrative that, like, early on that he was really bad, and I think that certainly he makes mistakes, and a lot of his mistakes are loud. It's very JaVale-esque in that, like, you know, when he messes up, anyone who has watched basketball before can tell you, like, oh, that was Andre Drummond's fault because he has these absent-minded mistakes at times. But something that I hadn't noticed until Frank brought it up the other day was that his foul rate is actually higher here than it's been throughout his entire career, which he has taken as indication that, like, Andre is trying really, really hard to fit in and trying to play really, really physical and, like, you know, get on the same page with his teammates. And I think you could probably lend some credence to that theory. But, I mean, in reality, he's been mostly okay I think for the entire time he's been here. The problem was early on, you know, when uh, it, you'll notice that when Andre Drummond, you know, started trending after games, he was getting the Danny Green treatment, like, you know, on, on Twitter and stuff like that. Those were after the games that AD came back. And it was because... AD was horrible to come back from that injury. Like, yeah, it's understandable. He was, really understandable. He was rusty. Communications were they were not Drummond's fault. It was AD's fault. And all of a sudden, we you know now we're starting to see superstar AD you know start to rear his head and get into playoff mode. We're seeing a little bit of playoff AD, and all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, Andre Drummond, like he's doing some good things. He looks pretty good, and it's like. Yeah, it turns out like it did help him to have a superstar playing well next to him. And, you know, uh, all of which leads me back to kind of your point of when LeBron comes back, you know, I, I don't see how he's not going to help Andre Drummond, like just from a sense of how much attention he's going to get his passing and how good he is at setting guys up like Andre Drummond's never played with a guy on that level before. And it's why, honestly, I wouldn't even totally, you know, if LeBron had come back uh, like two games ago, like he was originally slated to, I wouldn't have minded seeing AD sit that Rockets game and then just LeBron and Andre Drummond run a big a bunch of pick and rolls and try to get on the same page together, and you know so that you have that weapon to go to in the postseason at times. And you know I, I think he's been totally all right. I think a lot of his struggles have been overstated. I don't think he's been perfect, but I do think that he can help this team in the right matchups and that's something that I asked AD about today he was talking about how he just feels like just drumming and this is something that I've been saying just Drummond getting them extra possessions for a team that struggles that will score in the half court and for a team you know with LeBron James and Anthony Davis as their two kind of bailout scorers end of clock whatever you know having a guy like that could be really valuable in the right matchups now we just, you know, we got to wait and see if the thing that we've all been debating about for the last couple weeks is going to happen, and, you know, is he going to be matchup dependent? Does he become sort of like JaVale, where, you know, when the matchup's good, he plays, and when it's not, he doesn't play. Um, and obviously, he's a better player than JaVale McGee, but I'm just making the analogy.
0: Right. I think JaVale from last year, the thing was JaVale and Dwight weren't talented as they were back in their day, but they were, they were still enforcers. With the, with the paint protection. Drummond is not a great defender, but when he puts his mind to it, when he's with LeBron AD, he's going to look pretty good defensively. And I thought the Knicks game, I thought the Knicks game was probably his best ga- game as a Laker, in my opinion. I thought if he just keeps this up, and if him LeBron get some reps... Not in the on...
1: Nets game. I, I would still go... Oh, the Nets. That, that I for game against...
0: The two New York games were great. The Nets game where he just pounded LaMarcus Aldridge. When he pounded LaMarcus Aldridge, that was okay. And I thought his first full game with the Heat where he had like 12 and 15 and like three assists, that was a really good game. So, no, he's played some good games. He just... The problem here is that...
1: He's also played some bad ones, you know? Yeah. That's why he was available in a buyout. He is down, you
0: know? whether he's... For better or worse, he is a force in the paint. Like that's yeah. better. Like he can post up. He can make. He can get his dunks in. He can make layups. He can make a few nice back to the baskets. But he also does ruin a little bit of the spacing on the court. But Marcus All, yeah. I will say this: he has been played a lot better recently. Marcus All, I think, and I think his spacing, his experience. He's still a really good passer. I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be a good fit for the Lakers in the playoffs. Mark Gasol.
1: Yeah, I, I think honestly, you know, and this is something I'm not the only person to say this, but right now it really does seem like they're heading towards a Gasol Drummond center rotation in the playoffs with Montrez Harrell as the possibly odd man out, except for against kind of undersized teams where he can feast and, you know, really be a beast in the paint. But beyond that, like, I mean, there's a lot, like, look at the teams around the league and the other contenders. Like, how many of them is Trez a good matchup, a better matchup for than Gasol or Drummond? Like, you know, it's not, it's not a lot. And the other thing that is kind of the elephant in the room here is You know, this was more of, I think, a legitimate question a couple weeks ago, but then now, like, as he kind of has had this groin flare-up, who knows where AD's health is at. But, like, last year, he played 60% of his minutes at center during the postseason, which leaves, like, around 20 minutes a game available for another center on the Lakers. And that's not enough for, like, three centers. It's barely—it's not enough for two. It's enough for, like, one. And so how much is AD going to play his best position is another question mark here, because if he's playing it as much as he did last playoffs, which was really the X factor for the Lakers in a lot of series, then it's just going to be one of those guys. And how okay are all of them going to be sitting on the bench at times? And how does Frank manage that? How does LeBron manage that locker room? Like, you know, I think it's, it's going to be really interesting to watch. And this is, you know, I'm not trying to be the hot take guy. I think that for the most part, it'll be fine. Um, But how well do those guys accept being, you know seven foot cheerleaders like Dwight and Jabel had to be at times last year we'll
0: see I think when you're with it with the greatest franchise ever and when you're playing with in my opinion the greatest player ever you want to win regardless whether you're the, the first I
1: do think that there's something to the idea of once you get to the playoffs the guys are kind of like okay like I had my legitimate chance especially for a team like this where everyone's gotten minutes no one can complain that they have not even Alfonso McKinney has gotten opportunities to prove himself he's played really year, well you know I like it. Yeah, him. no, he, he had his moments and like but that my point is that Frank gave everyone minutes. So that also allows him to go, "Hey, look, you had your chance. I, I you know, we we looked at the tape, we gave you your minutes, and right now we think that this matchup is better for someone else." And you know, you have, like it's right there on the tape if you want to watch it. And I I do think that there's an also an idea of like you're so close to the finish line, and this year has been so exhausting for everyone that it's just like, hey, let's just get through. I may not be thrilled with where my role is at, but let's just get through this. But, you know, you could also see that go the other way, where guys buy out, and, who you know, we're going to have to see which way this team goes, but I do think that their chemistry as a group has been strong enough, maybe not as strong as last year's group, because that was an extremely unique grouping. And oh, with what they went through
0: last year? Yeah, they, they, that, that uh, of course that chemistry is going to be top is was going to yeah. be great
1: and so, so i don't know that this team is like that close as close as that team was but that also wasn't possible right. with you know they didn't have that pre-season vegas trip to go bond you know they didn't have like the time during the pandemic to like get together for secret workouts they didn't have the bubble time to be all for where they could all just hang out whatever there's all these protocols about where guys can and can't be this year it's just it was never going to be possible to develop that level of chemistry and now we have to see how much was that how much of that really was the x factor in the lakers run last year and how much of it was just you know their core their core talent and having guys that fit around them because they still have that part they just they don't necessarily have the exact same level of cohesion right. and that's not to say there's like problems in the locker room it's just it's rare for that a group to be as close as that team was last right
0: year. um a couple more questions about the the lakers let's start with the other one a the other one of the team anthony davis um, he was struggled uh to start. I mean obviously when you come off a near rupture of the Achilles, I mean it's going to take time. Like obviously the Dallas just, I knew at the first at the beginning he would struggle, but yeah. lately he started to look like the old AD. Like the game yeah. against Denver was when after the horrible game he had against the Raptors, he woke up and I thought okay, this is starting to build. The game against the Clippers, I'm not going to count that game. He was hurt. He got yeah, hurt. Yeah, that was
1: that was such an uh, like a weird circumstance of like, like the
0: scores table was so, was so close.
1: Yeah, that yeah, I, I I don't even count that as a game.
0: Today, no, honest. no, we 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 we, we don't count that game. Uh, but the Portland game, I thought he was. I'd say what you want. The Lakers lost. You can't really give credit to anybody in like a loss, but he was phenomenal that game. And then the the Phoenix game where he we where he went off. I said, okay. Now the league is in trouble, in my opinion. And then, and then against the Knicks, he didn't shoot the ball great, but he was a defen He was a great defender. His defense on Julius Randle at the end was great. He still was an enforcer in the paint. He still he. I think he is back now. He has a groin injury. Unfortunately, he gets nicked and knacked. But in your, what's his? What, how does he feel going into the play in the playoffs? And how do you th- how do you think he feels right now, like physically and mentally, about right now, about things going on? Yeah, so
1: he told us today after practice that he feels great, Um, but he always says that, and then he's like limping the next game. And so I don't really know what to make of where he's at right now, but I do think that like a lot of people took it as a really bad sign that the Lakers sat him against the Rockets. I didn't really take no, that. No, that, that was, was
0: precaution. It was the worst team in the league. There's...
1: Exactly. That was a team they should have been able to beat without him, and if they couldn't, then so what, we're probably headed to the play-in anyway. Let's get him some rest. guy, This guy's played nearly, I think he played like 41, 39 in like 40 minutes or something in a row, like three games in a row. Yeah, it's and understandable. So on the second night of a back-to-back, you've just you got to rest him, like especially if he's saying his groin stiffened up. He was clearly uncomfortable out on the floor during that overtime. So, like, I mean, I think they just had to rest him. And, you know, I, 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 I'm not super worried about his health going into the playoffs. I Honestly, I think LeBron is the bigger question mark. Right
0: now, I think they will both will be fine. I, I I think the chemistry of the team. we be talking. It does
1: ab- almost feel like LeBron setting us up for like to really troll us and just like, oh yeah, no, I was like, I've been fine for two weeks. I've just been like, you know, lifting weights and getting rest.
0: I mean, you you saw the Mountain Dew commercial.
1: <laughs> I, I feel like that was filmed in the off season, but you know, oh,
0: yeah. I don't know. I mean, it. Uh, that's I don't know about it. it was filmed the off season. I mean they they got all these people together that. But I don't know. I, I think, I think he'll he'll be fine. I from what I've seen from from like video, I, I think he'll be fine. I'm not worried. If I, I'll say this: unless LeBron gets hurt in the play-in or gets hurt in tomorrow against the Pacers, I'm not worried one bit. Now, I want to talk about something a little off the court about uh, Jerry West. So Je- Jeannie Bus on the All the Smoke podcast listed the five most important Lakers. I forgot what the order was, but it was, it was Kobe, it was Kareem, it was Magic Johnson, it was Phil Jackson, and it was LeBron. And you saw what Jerry West said after that. What do you make of that whole drama with Jerry West and the Lakers? And do you think that the leaked voicemail of what he said about the Lakers had something to do with it?
1: No, I mean honestly, that's an interesting theory. I I did not think about it like that specifically, but Jerry West and like like you know we can talk we can all talk about it. Jerry West is arguably the greatest Laker ever. Like when you factor in you know the off the court with the on the court, like I mean he only won one ring as a player, but he built multiple eras of title contenders as an executive. Arguably, like the greatest executive in NBA history. Um, you know, again, like should Phil be over him in the all time pantheon? Like. I would not argue that, but also, you know, Jeannie Buss, like, Phil Jackson's her former fiancé. She's not not going to put Phil on there, you know? Like, it's... it's Like, there's just, like, a personal connection there. Of course she's going to name him. Like, I think I wouldn't expect any differently of her. And she also got an up-close-and-personal look at how valuable specifically what he did was. Like, she has kind of a skewed view because she got to see how he pushed the buttons and how he managed those teams and, like, got everyone to kind of coalesce as a family. Like, she got as close of a look as anyone has ever gotten at what the Phil Jackson coaching style is, other than guys in the locker room experiencing the coaching style the other thing here is too for all of that as much as jerry west will always be associated with the lakers when you first think of him jerry west and the lakers have had beef for a long time like jerry west have and the lakers have had beef going back to the like going back to the three-peat era when he quit because he you know and jerry west complained like a lot about he was extremely uncomfortable with the fact that phil was dating Jeannie. And when you do something like that, and you make it, you start to like you question someone's personal life choices, that's always going to be personal. And I feel like, you know, that's why whenever there's been rumors of like, oh, like the Lakers maybe want to bring Jerry West back in and like, maybe they should or whatever, like, it's just not going to happen. Him and Jeannie Bus, I don't think really have very much love loss for one another. Jerry West public comments have always been, you know, very, you know, I think intentional to like, he knows that he like, Jimmy bus is not going to win a war of words through the media with him. So he can take his shots and things like that. You know, you have that going back to when the Lakers were going through all their turmoil. He's like, Oh no, they never asked me. I'd love to go back, but they've never asked me. I don't know if he would have loved to go back maybe, but I, I think that a lot of his public comments have been very intentionally designed in my view to tweak the Lakers because I don't think that was not the greatest falling out. And I don't think that they have a lot of love lost for each other. So I was not surprised to not see him on there, but I can see why some people are. And I can see why he said what he said. And honestly, you know, look, I don't blame him for being offended. Like, do I think he's actually as offended as he claimed he was? I don't, but like, you know, he should be on that list. But at the same time, I also, you know, there's greater context to why he was not.
0: Uh, Yeah. And also I, I love LeBron. I think he's the greatest ever, but when you think of the five most important Lakers, like he was he's been here for like what, two and a half, three years? Like, he's won a ring, but he's not one of the greatest Lakers ever. I
1: think look if you look at it from Jeannie's perspective LeBron is like her magic for oh no Mary, he, the, yeah for her dad you know like he's the guy that came in and saved this franchise so like she's always going to view LeBron a certain way because he's the one that basically put her like her regime back on top of oh yeah because of course. you know they haven't won a title since since her dad uh, since her dad died and you know had the seed control of the team so he's the one that re legitimized her as Lakers. I think she's always going to have an incredibly soft spot for LeBron oh. in baseball basically, you know, bringing the Lakers back to prominence in like for the first time in her era of uh being in control of the team.
0: Uh last question about the Lakers before I ask you some other NBA questions. Um in your as a fan, take your reporting cap off for a second and like as a fan of this team, like on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the most confident this team can repeat like on the record, what's your what's your number?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I'm I'm at like probably a five, you know, I'm very in the middle on this. Like, I think that there are reasons for optimism, but there are also a lot of reasons for pessimism, like based on how this season has gone, how many different things of adversity they've had to deal with, how little they've gotten to play together, you know, like, but there are also reasons for optimism. Like, uh, LeBron, AD, and Dennis. When those three guys have played in a game, the Lakers are seventeen and seven. They have an offense. They have a net rating that's better than the league best Utah Jazz net rating. Like they've been really, really good when their guys have played. But the problem is those guys have played exactly one game together since March fourteenth when AD got hurt. And so it's like. I mean, I don't know. I don't really know what to make of this team right now. I, I definitely am feeling more optimism about them. You know, if you would have asked me this a week ago, uh, like, uh, not after the – it was, like, after the loss to the Raptors. Clippers, I think. Like, I, think I would have probably told you that I was at about two. Um, but – Like, I am definitely more optimistic than that now, but I also think there are still significant reasons for concern that this team can get it together in time. I don't think that they're, like, a bad team. I just think that there's been so much adversity stacked up against them that I'm no longer as confident as I was early on in the year.
0: I'm going to give mine—I'm going to be honest. I'm going to give mine—not to sound hypocritical, but I give mine an incomplete— because I want to see what the path is in my well, opinion. I
1: okay so I see how it is you put me on the record and then you're like well I, incomplete for I, I'm me. Ki-
0: I, I'm just okay I,
1: I, I, come on you got to say something
0: <sighs> I'll give it
1: I'm a not s- I'm not just getting old takes exposed to by myself <laughs> you're going to give a take okay, here right. and I, and, I, and give I, your honest I, opinion
0: I'm sorry about that I I <laughs> I apologize I'm kidding um I'm going to say a 7 Okay. Seven. I mean
1: I can see it. You know, a, a C is fair. Like if we look at that as a seventy percent I'm sorry C about that. I
0: I, I I just wanted to, I'm sorry about that. My apologies.
1: No, I'm I'm giving you a hard time. <laughs> <That's really fine. laughs>
0: but no no, I think a seven because look, assuming LeBron is at least, say, eighty five, ninety percent, and if A D keeps this up, A D and Drummond have a good thing going and put Dennis back yeah. in, another ball handler. Like who we all know how how really good he is, and from the way the other guys have stepped up the last couple games, you win the glorified scrimmage game, and then after that you get an easier path to play either the Suns or the Jazz. That I would see no problem with it. Now the biggest I don't think quite you you said something about the chemistry of the team. I don't really think the chemistry is the problem because anytime when you play with LeBron or Anthony Davis, your chemistry is going to be good. You would love to play for these guys. If you were just a normal player that's D-League, that G-League player that's wanting to go to a team, you would probably say the Lakers. You you, you would blend in with that team. I don't think it's a question of chemistry. I just think it's health that's that's been hurting this team the whole I year. I think
1: health is by far
0: the bigger question. Right. The yeah. I think it's more so about the health I'm worried about. But now, like, I, I think assuming i'll say this assuming that unless there's a report that says lebron or anthony davis are out for the season i'm not that concerned now i have a couple of nba questions i want to talk about uh the basement team the la clippers uh they <laughs> uh I, I'm as much as we like to hate on them and criticize them. I'm not gonna lie; they played very good this year. They're a great three-point shooting team. Yeah, no,
1: they're 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 a dangerous team. They're a very they're good. A real
0: they're they're the number one free throw shooting team. It, in my, I think they're they've been a lot better this year. I think they are more under they're less hyped this year than last year. But I think they're a little bit of a better team this year than last year. And
1: I also think that they're. I just think the pieces fit better this year.
0: Yeah, so what what do you feel about the L.A. Clippers, and do you think they have, say these two teams meet in the playoffs, hopefully later on, how much do you think you give them a shot of beating our Lakers?
1: So... Like if we, you know if the Lakers aren't healthy, then I give them a great shot. But it, like, let's just assume for the purposes of this hypothetical that the Lakers are reasonably approximating health. LeBron is like at least ninety percent, you know. AD is at least ninety percent because nobody's ever like a hundred percent in the playoffs. No. But if these guys are they're as close to healthy as you're going to be by this point in the season, considering all of the circumstances. To be realistic, I think the Clippers still have a chance to beat them. I think that the La- they match up with the Lakers probably better than any team in the league matches up with the Lakers. Uh, just because... Because like they have these other than maybe the Nets, um, but the Nets don't have kind of like defense or no. anything to kind of no. like lean back on and whatever. No. Like the Clippers are better there for their, you know they have flaws, but they're a better defensive team. I, I I think that honestly, like I think the Clippers should potentially be the title favorite right now. Like they're they're really good and they are built for the postseason this year in a way that I think they weren't. You know obviously. Paul George has some de- demons to excise, but they're a legitimate threat, I think. But again, I thought that last year. And the Lakers, you know, looked like they probably would have beaten them if the Clippers hadn't choked away that game, that series against the Nuggets. Um, so I think that they're probably the biggest threat to the Lakers of any team. That's not to say that other teams couldn't beat the Lakers, but a healthy Lakers team, I think they match up with better than anyone else in the league, other than maybe the Nets. Uh,
0: let's talk about... Um... Let's talk about some of the other teams like the Jazz and the Suns. Like they – I thought they would both be playoff teams. I didn't think they would be this great.
1: It, I don't think anyone did.
0: No. I don't it, think they did. <laughs> in, in your opinion, like do you – I'm not saying they're, they're frauds or anything. I think they've had a great year. But in your opinion, do you think this team, these two teams are like legitimate threats? People say Chris Paul is the MVP. Some people do. I think it's Jokic. In your honest honest opinion, like, do you see any of these teams like competing for a title, or do you think they're just regular season teams, and you have lot and you just don't buy them as a contender?
1: So I think in a normal year, I would buy both of these teams a little less for different reasons. So like with the Jazz, you know, it's that they don't really have a proven record of playoff success with no. this group. You know, they've had some high-profile meltdowns blowing a 3-1 lead in the first round last year against the Nuggets, most notably. Uh, and then like the Clippers, are, ju- they're just a young team. And Chris Paul has had his playoff foibles at times, even though, again, like on balance, he's been really good, but he has had some pro- high-profile collapses and his teams have. I, I think that, again, I think, especially with Chris Paul, some of that gets overstated. Like, how many of those collapses were his fault? I I don't really think so. But again, you know, if you're the best player, that's how the narrative remembers you. Um, I think that in this year, I think that they have a better shot than they would in any other one, just because this has been such a war of attrition and those teams are deep and they're playing well. They've gotten a lot of time to gel together. And, you know, all of these, you don't really see a contender that isn't to some degree built on a house of cards right now, where like in normal years, you'd have these teams that they felt pretty solidified. Every single contender and like other team in the West is going in with some major injury going into the playoffs, they have some major question mark. And then health is just going to continue to be a question mark in these soft tissue injuries for everyone because of the short turnaround, because of how much wear and tear they've had put on their bodies over the last year and a half. Like, I feel like the youth thing and, like, these normal factors that we evaluate matter less this year when, like, you know, let's just say the Lakers make it out of the plan, but LeBron's at, like, 70%, AD's a little banged up, whatever. Like, could the Jazz or the Suns beat them? Yeah, they certainly could, and I think, again, I think the Lakers match up better with them than they do with, like, the Clippers or someone like that, but there's a scenario where they could make it through, and, you know, if they catch the right teams at the right time, it, like, they're legitimately good, they could take care of business, and so this is just such a weird year, it's really hard to handicap it, and so I'm not really ruling anyone out except, like, the Spurs, like, if the Spurs make it's a through play-in race, then I'm ruling them out preemptively. I, like, I just, uh, I'm, I'm putting the, uh, I'm, I'm putting the, like, the frauds on the Spurs, if they uh, if they make it through,
0: right? I, I um I, I they've agree. been trying
1: to drop out of the play-in game for weeks, and like the Kings and the Pelicans are like, no, thank you, no. You can, uh, so they're
0: they're forced to, to. they'll 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 lose to Grizzlies or Warriors easily. No, <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> so the Spurs are not making it through. No. They're just like perhaps the least threatening, like. Potential postseason team I've ever seen. Uh, so yeah, I just wanted to talk right. about them. But
0: yeah. uh, Now moving on to the East. Let's talk about uh, the a team before the season I picked to go to the finals. I, I picked before the season. And the minority of saying this, but I picked the Lakers and the Sixers in the finals. They okay. they came off a loss last night to the Heat. But Joe Embiid, before Yoke before he got hurt and before Jokic took off, he was looking like the favorite to win the MVP. In your yeah. in your honest opinion, what you've seen from the Sixers, do you think that they have a shot to like beat the Nets in a seven-game series? And if so, do you think that team would be good enough to go to the finals?
1: I do think they have a shot, but I think the Nets are making it out. I just think that they have so much firepower. I'm just not sure that there's really a single team that could—is both uniquely— uh, like position to be able to take advantage of their biggest weakness, like Embiid obviously is. Um, but and but as not as much as the Lakers necessarily. Like they're kind of like rolling waves of bigs can. And then I don't think. Sixers necessarily have the juice to keep up with the Nets on defense as much as the Lakers will if they're anything close to approximating health. I, I really think that the Nets, I think that we're all, you know, debating a lot of this stuff, and I understand why the Nets haven't been fully healthy all year, and so there's still going to be question marks against them. But from what I've seen from them, I just don't think that anyone has the stopping power to keep them, if their three stars can go, from getting out of the East.
0: Th- that's what I was going to mention to you next. Next, next, next about the Bulls. About the I just think
1: that sometimes we overthink this stuff. Like, they have like two guys that are potential MVP candidates if they had stayed healthy and like not had a high profile flame out and demanded a trade and whatever. And then a third guy, Kyrie Irving, that is really, really good too. And I, I just think. Like I think sometimes we overcomplicate this stuff, and you know maybe the Nets will too. Maybe they're gonna you know overcomplicate it and like have some issues and not maybe they won't gel because they didn't get enough time. But uh, I I really think that just talent wise, like I, it's hard for me to not see them making it out of the East. The,
0: I was gonna bring up to you about Brooklyn next. They they they're the most interesting team I think I've ever watched. Like I've never seen a team so horrible defensively. They're ranked twenty fourth in efficiency or something like that. They have two of maybe, people say, maybe the most talented scorers ever in KD and Harden. They have probably the most skilled player in Kyrie. They have... Yeah,
1: like, that's, that's the crazy thing. It's like their third best scorer is Kyrie Irving. They like, have, when has that ever been true of any basketball team ever?
0: They have talent. I just question them on the defensive end. And from what I've seen from them against, like, Embiid or Giannis... I do stru- I do think they'll have problems in the post. and yeah, I don't
1: think they're going to sweep by any means. Like, they'll have games where they lose. I just think that they have so much talent, it's hard for me to see them losing a series.
0: You do—yeah, that's what it's going to mean. Yeah, I—here's I, I, my thing about them. I think eventually, ta- they could have all the talent out there, but it just comes down to X's and O's in the playoffs. And similar to what we talked about with the Lakers, about they're not going to get enough reps in before the play in the playoffs— the Nets aren't really gonna have enough reps before the playoffs. Like the their it's big totally three possible. Yeah. They're big three, as good as they've been when they played together. They've only played seven games. And do you think that's a little bit of a factor in considering they don't have anyone down low that can stop Giannis or Embiid?
1: For sure, I think it's a factor. Like, uh, like I said, I don't think that they're going to sweep their way through the East, but I do think that, like, I, I think they have enough, and they're, I think they're going to score efficiently enough that they'll get enough stops to win these games and shootouts.
0: That's interesting. I, I, well, I guess time will tell. I, I guess. Yeah. I guess time will tell. Indeed.
1: No, like I said, I'm not super comfortable locking in any like bullet point predictions because this year's been crazy. This year's and been crazy.
0: Everyone, happen, like you said, every, every every one of the superstars this year has been hurt. LeBron went out. AD yeah. went out. MB went out. KD's missed like eight, near the same time AD did. Um, yeah. K- Harden's been out re- a lot recently. Everybody's been hurt. Kawhi's missed a good amount. Every everyone's been hurt. This I don't like how the NBA rushed it seventy one days after the Lakers won it, and we're gonna start near Christmas.
1: I think uh I think the Lakers are with you on that, but unfortunately they were outvoted.
0: A lot of teams I think didn't want to vote on that.
1: Uh, I don't know about a lot of teams, because like it, look, it passed with the NBPA, so that means that the majority of players voted, yes, let's do this, because look, the majority of players wanted to get their money, they didn't want to lose out on all that broadcasting revenue, you know, I get it, but I, I think that it's resulted in like a soulless cash grab of a season that might damage the product long term. Uh,
0: my final question before we wrap this up, it's a little touchy subject, uh, arguably, the in my opinion, the best Laker ever, Kobe being Bryant, will be inducted tomorrow in the Hall of Fame. My final question uh, for you is: uh, What are you go? What uh, what are your, What are you going to most re- uh, cherish about watching Kobe Bryant?
1: Go into the Hall of Fame, or just like overall throughout his career? In general, yes. Just in general, I mean, honestly, it's the the stuff that you never forget are just like the big moments where he delivered. You know, figuring out a way in Game Seven to affect that game, even though he was shooting horribly. Um, you know, like uh, th- there's. The, the buzzer beaters, all of that stuff. Like, it's it's the ones where Kobe was clearly single-handed handedly, like, well, not single-handedly in Game 7. He had some help. But, like, where he was really just willing his team to victory and doing whatever it took to, you know, get a win by any means necessary. You know, the, the – he shot the free throws on the Achilles to make sure that his team could close out like a close game. Like all of that stuff. He just had so many. The
0: 62 through three quarters against Dallas. Exactly.
1: There are so many just yeah. moments where you remember exactly where you were and what you were doing when you watched them. Kobe's that, final uh, game. Like, I, that's what I'll remember most about Kobe Was he yeah. was appointment viewing in a way that, you know, very few, if any, like superstars have been.
0: I completely agree. I most remember the 81 point game, Kobe's final game. The games, the, um, the, what he did against Boston, the, the game winners against the Raptors, the Achilles free throw. There's so many countless moments of Kobe Bryant. Yeah. I am. Tomorrow's yeah. going to be, is going to be a great one for the hall of fame. Uh, Harrison Fagan. Thank you so much for joining another edition of the off the dome podcast. Hopefully the Lakers will be healthy enough and, um, hopefully I can, uh, hopefully I'm, I'm looking forward to more of your great banner throughout this post
1: I appreciate it, man. I'm happy to, I'm happy to be back, and uh, I'm glad to get the invite.
0: <laughs> You'll be, you're welcome back anytime. Uh, thank you so much for listening to another edition of the, of the Off the Dome podcast. Have a good night. Go get them.